I really love my quiet time with my flowers. Um, I think they're still very much uh, my hobby, even though they're my profession now too. So um, Sunday mornings when it's quiet here and you know the birds are chirping and the bees are floating around and I have my camera and I have some time to practice my craft of photography. I love those times especially. From NCPR, welcome to Northwards. People, ideas, and conversations from and about northern New York, Vermont, and beyond. I'm Mitch Tyke. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from Joe Steininger and Mary McDonald in support of the Adirondack Foundation, building stronger Adirondack communities. Do you remember the classic children's book, Ferdinand the Bull? It was about, well, Ferdinand, a bull living in 1930s Spain, who was taken to Madrid to compete in the bullfights. Only he didn't want to fight. What he liked to do was just sit quietly and smell the flowers. On this episode of Northwards, we're going to talk about flowers, and that is no bull. Linda Diarco's farm, Little Farmhouse Flowers, sits in one of the most beautiful bucolic spots in the Adirondacks, in the shadow of Whiteface Mountain in the town of Jay. It's not a huge farm. Turn up the driveway and you won't think you're in a tulip field in Holland, but you will see a display garden, a quiet spot with rows of flowers and shades of pink and yellow and orange, and you'll see a handful of greenhouses and people preparing an awe-inspiring number of flowers to ship fresh to every corner of the country. The story of how Diarco came to be a successful, sustainable flower farmer in a climate as tough as the North Country is a good one. I had a chance to visit with Linda Diarco as Little Farmhouse Flowers was gearing up for the Mother's Day rush. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk. Thanks for coming. We got some beautiful weather, so we really lucked out and starting to feel a little more like springtime now. <laughs> uh, yeah, very much like springtime. So I guess the question I have to start is, what is this flower operation doing in Jay, New York? How did you come to be here? Sure. Well, I used to be in education. Um, I worked as a teacher and an administrator in independent schools, and I had a summertime hobby, growing flowers, that sort of took over my life. And eventually I got to the point where it made more sense not to lead these dual lives where I'm teaching during the day and sowing flowers and tending plants at night, um, but to commit uh, to this project and to turn it into a business. So we're here. We have um, a rather small farm. It's just two and a half acres, um, but we grow um, in an intensive way. And cut flowers are actually the most profitable crop that you can grow per acre. So even though our farm is small, we're able to sustain ourselves and a number of staff um, who are here helping us. Well, and you say you grow in an intensive way. What do you mean by that? So we are growing our crops quite close together and in quick succession. Um, so some of the plantings that we do are very rich and sort of uh, densely planted perennial beds um, interplanted with uh, different kinds of annuals when we want. Um, that's like the space where we're standing here, this display garden, which has a whole wealth of diversity of different kinds of plants. Um, other times we're growing in a greenhouse or a field crop where we're growing more in a, a monoculture sort of philosophy, a single crop per row. Um, and as soon as that crop's done, we're trying to reinvest in the soil and replant another crop in quick succession. Those types of plants are grown very close together and that encourages cut flowers to grow straight and tall, which is 
desirable in our industry. We want to have nice, tall, straight stems. So that's how we're able to um, grow and a small space and have very high yields as a flower farmer. So over the years, I've, I've spoken with people who have taken their hobby and made it their living. Um, people who love to cook and have opened restaurants, people who love to fish and have uh, become professional fishermen. And you took this hobby and made it your living. What did you have to do to get up to speed on the economics of being a flower farmer as opposed to being a, a hobbyist flower farmer? So there are a number of skills that I took from my former life. Um, and uh, I was an art teacher and a design teacher before. I also taught some innovation classes and I was working particularly with students through a sort of entrepreneurial based curriculum. So those elements all came in to help me when I started my own business. Um, and certainly my strengths lie in the marketing realm of my business. So the photography, design work, publications, um, website management, all of that stuff is really sort of part of my background and it, it definitely helps us along here. Um, I've learned along the way that the economics of being a farmer and how to work in ways that are less risky. I committed from the beginning to growing the business by taking on very little financial debt um, and until I was able to grow and I just kept reinvesting each season's profits to help the business grow bigger and bigger to a point where we're now willing to take on some larger risks and we've actually started to do some importing for other flower farmers across the country. We're importing bulbs and offering them wholesale and roots, uh, peony roots, bare root roses, things like that. So that's been a nice development for our business to be able to now offer these goods to other flower farmers too. Which was the harder skill for you to, to feel like you could get on top of, the, the agriculture part or the economic part? Hmm. I, I think both of those areas, I, I always feel like I learn more in them each year. I think there are lots of clever things that you can do in terms of economics. You can you know start with a packet of seeds. That's really where this all began, two packets of seeds that were um, given to me by my sister. Um, when was this? probably eight or nine years ago and it's from those seeds that this whole hobby began and that the business eventually grew from that and that's a very low cost way to get started but seeds and annuals flowers that you can sell fresh and also dried are another great investment for beginning growers because you don't have the pressure of having to offer them right away so those are some great ways to to grow throughout the season and, and build up with without taking on so much risk. What were the seeds that your sister gave you? Uh, she gave me some zinnias um, and I think some poppies. Yeah, and that's, that's where I started. <laughs> <laughs> so there had to come a point where you were on the verge of leaving your life in education and, and taking this on full time. How big a leap did that feel for you and how did you get over that? Well, that was terrifying. <laughs> I had reached a point in my career in education where I was uh, very comfortable. Um, I was working as a dean of faculty and doing some, some management work and consulting with communications projects and things like that. So leaving that was, uh, was definitely a little bit scary. I had been working out of the school's greenhouse to start my seedlings along, a space that wasn't being 
very well utilized at the time. And this was about February of the school year, the year that I decided to leave teaching. And I didn't have a place to put those seedlings either. So I knew that in giving notice there with my employer that I was not only taking on a whole new career, but I had to find a farm, I had to find <laughs> land, I had to prepare the land, and that all had to happen very quickly. So that was a little bit scary for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know this is a cliche, but people must have thought you were crazy. They absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, obviously, there are some people close to me who supported this idea, um, but yeah, a lot of people thought I was crazy, and, and I did hear that <laughs> from some <laughs> colleagues. <laughs> I wonder, as I was thinking about it, I, I had read that you had switched from education, and there's something about marking the seasons in education um, that makes for, I think, the way you know some people in the field frame their lives. Is there a, is there a similarity when you are a grower and you have to pay attention, or maybe you innately get the, the passing of the seasons? I think, you know, I, I absolutely feel that, and now I have reverse seasons. As a school teacher, I was, you know... Uh, at least initially, you know, very busy during the school year. And then I had this hobby relaxation time during the summer. Now the summer can be a very intense time for a grower, but we've learned here, even in our cold climate, how to um, be efficient and profitable with our crops throughout the entire year. So we learned how to do bulb forcing in the wintertime. We also have learned how to take advantage of the challenges that we've overcome here, the lessons that we've learned, and use those as educational products that we can share with other farmers to help them along the way and help them learn from our hard-earned lessons and move their businesses forward a little bit easier than what we experienced. So, so there is still education in what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been kind of a full circle moment. We have been transitioning our work here more into that realm. We produce online courses um, and offer them. We do a sub subscription service where I publish weekly video tips and tutorials from what's happening behind the scenes here. And I really love that part of our work now for sure. The pandemic must have been an interesting time to be doing this, and at the same time, you must have felt really fortunate that you could be working outside in in a way that would have been a lot more difficult uh, if you were still in education. The pandemic was a really interesting time for us because we had been primarily relying upon the wedding and event industry for the sale of our flowers prior to the pandemic. Um, I love the design element. So we grow the flowers here. We also have a design studio. We design with the flowers, make arrangements and bouquets. And that series of events, the pandemic, it, it wiped out all of those sales. And it forced us to really reevaluate the different income streams that we had for the business and what we were going to feel comfortable investing in in the future. So now we are a little bit more diversified. We offer the wholesale cut flowers to florists all over the country. We ship overnight to them. Um, we do still have some retail sales that we offer, um, but we're doing that more on a, a local um, basis. We have uh, a la carte menu of wedding and event flowers that people can come and pick up here. And then we're, we're focusing more on wholesale customers and reaching a broader audience for the time being. The North Country seems like such an unlikely place to uh, to grow something like flowers. Why why are you doing this here as opposed to a, a warmer, often more sunny climate? You know, I I definitely have an eye on what other growers are doing all over the country. It's hard not to, and when you see them 
have certain flowers at times of the year when you simply can't have them you can get a little bit jealous but it, it does force us to have to be a little innovative and that's where some of our um, indoor bulb forcing projects come from we're experimenting a lot with hydroponics um, with finding ways to grow flowers sustainably in the wintertime too so that we're not putting a lot of fossil fuels into our operation i like that part of my work so sometimes it seems like it would be a lot easier to do this in a warmer place but we have our own methods here, and uh, they work just fine for us. We're standing in this display garden that you have here. Uh, you have to have plenty of work keeping the, the profitable garden going. <laughs> Why is it important to have this here as well? So this space is right along the road. Um, it's nice because um, anyone who's passing by enjoys it and is maybe intrigued by it. Um, we also designed this space with the idea that it could be um, a place where people can come and enjoy and when they come to pick up flowers if they place a, a local order they can grab their flowers they can spend some time here in the garden and it's also a place for us to experiment with plants so sometimes we're planting things into here that I view sort of as pet plants things that may not be actually great cut flowers but may just be intriguing um, or we'll try new things, we'll run little trials in here, see which sorts of plants work well together. That's all really valuable information, and of course it's wonderful for all of the pollinators and insects and birds that get to spend time here too. I feel like we've been teasing people. We've been talking about flowers as though all flowers are the same. What do you grow here? We grow all sorts of things. Um, <laughs> right now, because it's spring, we have all our daffodils and tulips, hyacinth, muscari. Um, they'll be followed shortly by allium, lupin, peonies are coming. Uh, we have a pretty big rose uh, operation. We grow roses in unheated tunnels and that extends our season with them substantially and also provides an environment that is more similar to a warm weather environment which the roses love and uh, that's a, a pretty big project of ours right now and we do offer some education around roses too. We're growing all, all, all sorts of flowers, <laughs> hundreds <laughs> of types, <laughs> and they just keep coming throughout the throughout the season, throughout the year. As someone who does this for a living, do you, do you wish that people would pay attention to things besides roses? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, seasonal flowers are best. The things that we're growing here are grown without uh, the use of chemicals. Um, we try to depend upon integrated pest management and uh, beneficial insects if we do have a problem with a pest. Um, the flowers here are very healthy. Um, you know, oftentimes when we receive flowers from overseas or that are imported long distances, they have been treated with some pretty harsh chemicals that you wouldn't normally want to bring into your home. And our first instinct when we receive flowers is to bring them to our nose and smell them. I sort of cringe when I see that happening with a lot of conventional flowers that are coming in because they really aren't healthy for us. So yeah, any flowers that are blooming now where you live, um, those are the flowers to be really enjoying. And if flowers aren't available, um, you know, look at things that dry well and other products that, um, that last a long time and that can still bring beauty, natural beauty to your home in the off season. Is there, for lack of a better word, a network of uh, growers like you around this region? There are, um, and it's growing. The pandemic definitely led to more people being interested in growing crops and flowers from home when they were spending time at home and, and then ultimately deciding not to go back to work. So there is a great network of growers here in the Northeast, a really close group for the most part. We are helping each other out and sharing ideas with each other. Um, 
Give us a sense of a day in the life of Linda Diarco. There is really no typical day for me. <laughs> um, generally, we're doing lots of our agricultural farming work in the morning. Most of the people that work here with me work in the morning from, say, 8 to about 2 p.m. In the afternoon, we're typically doing different projects that we can do from home. Many of the people who work here are moms with kids that they need to pick up from school or that or whose childcare they're responsible for in the afternoons. Um, so generally in the afternoons, my focus turns toward uh, the bookkeeping, the invoicing, uh, blogging, video making, um, all different kinds of things. And um, generally at the end of the week, that's when we're focused more on assembling orders for our uh, pick up wedding clients from our a la carte menu. Um, they'll come and get their boutonnieres and bouquets or um, bulk buckets of flowers, those sorts of things. Realizing that every day is a little bit different, what, what are the moments, though, that you are the most content in doing what you're doing? I really love my quiet time with my flowers. Um, I think they're still very much uh, my hobby, even though they're my profession now, too. So um, Sunday mornings when it's quiet here, and you know the birds are chirping and the bees are floating around and I have my camera and I have some time to collect different beautiful elements, put them together as a still life in the studio and practice my craft of photography. I love those times especially. And at the same time, are there things that, that keep you up at night when you think about this work? For sure, seasonal farming and, and dependency on the, the elements and climate change, all of those things weigh heavily on the mind, I think, of any farmer. You know, this year we saw our tulips come in about three weeks earlier than last year, and last year they were a couple weeks earlier than the previous year. So it's becoming more and more challenging to depend on the things that we're growing outside um, without cover um, as sort of regular seasonal crops. Um, And that's why innovating and learning how to um, create environments and situations for plants to thrive and also continually updating are offering learning more and more about perennials that are going to sort of take care of themselves through these situations that have deep roots and can survive droughts really important but yeah the climate the weather those things definitely keep me up at night and now that we are doing a lot more um, wholesale offerings to florists and other farmers um, that's more risk for the business and more worry because i care deeply about our relationships with those people and about their success too I guess this is a big philosophical question, but but do you feel like what you're doing is contributing beauty to the rest of the world? I think it absolutely is. Um, I do hope that in time not too far away, there are enough people growing flowers to meet their local need um, and interest. And I hope that people continue to grow in their appreciation for locally grown goods. I do hope they'll will be a day soon when we don't feel the need to ship flowers even within our own country. Um, Right now the florists that we're sending flowers from would otherwise be buying from overseas or even further away. So it's nice to be able to share some American grown goods with them. But I look forward to the day when the flower industry is really returned to this country because it used to be very large here prior to about the 1980s. I think we're, we're moving on that path and people are forging many little farms like this all over the place and uh, being able to supply florists with some super fresh flowers.
but yeah, we're, we're really fortunate. This is a beautiful part of the country to live in and it challenges us. Um, I sure do look forward to spring every year. I feel like we definitely earn it here. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Diarco, thank you so much for sharing some of your work and some of your life with us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for coming. Linda Diarco is the founder and owner of Little Farmhouse Flowers in Jay, New York. We spoke with her in the farm's display garden recently, and you can see photos of the farm and find out more at ncpr.org northwards. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Northwards. I'm Mitch Tyke. I hope you enjoyed our interview, and you can catch new content every Friday right here or wherever you get your podcasts. Find out more about Northwards and NCPR on our mobile app or at our website, ncpr.org. And while you're there, make a donation to support everything you hear on North Country Public Radio. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The program is written, recorded, and edited by Mitch Dyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Music by the Whitmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR, North Country Public Radio.